Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. You know, uh, I know that in places like Western Iowa, sometimes there's an edge to Christmas. And I want to acknowledge that there's an edge sometimes to Christmas with all the wonder that Christmas could be, with, with what Christmas prompts us to in, in, in gathering us near to the Son of God, Savior of the universe. There is this edge to Christmas, and I want to acknowledge it. That with all the great wonder that can happen at Christmas, there's sometimes this, this edge, right? This chaos that happens this time of year that, that can really make us feel like we're home alone. Josh and I prepared this for you because we want you to know, we want to acknowledge the edge. Go ahead and take a look at this. I just want to acknowledge that maybe some of you feel that way tonight. Uh, that maybe, maybe things this year haven't gone exactly how you thought they would. Uh, that maybe this Christmas, as you sit in this room, maybe, maybe there's someone that you want to be near to, but you're not. That maybe as you sit in this room, maybe your emotions are frazzled, they're, they're torn, and they're hanging by a string, and, and you want it to be different, but it's not. I want to acknowledge today that maybe you've come into this building tonight, and, and, and maybe you're with family, and maybe there's a tension underneath the surface with your family, and you're hoping to make it through Christmas without fighting. Maybe you just drew the short straw and you got the blow-up air mattress that everybody knows has a hole in it, and you have to go back to that. But whatever it is, I want to acknowledge the edge that sometimes is at Christmas. All the parties, all the gatherings, uh, maybe this for you is one more thing, and what you're thinking about is, when do I get out of here? And I want to give you a permission slip. I want to write you a great big permission slip and say, would you put all of that aside for a couple of moments? Just to allow God to do something in you while you're here. So I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to write you a permission slip to take all the chaos and take the edge and lay it to the side and then, and then listen to what God has to say. Gracious God, I pray that you would remove the weight and the edge that sometimes comes around this time. I pray if there's tension, Father, you would ease it. I pray, Father, if there's brokenness, you would allow there to be reconciled. God, I pray that, uh, that those things that would remove us from where you are, that you would take those things away. And in these moments, Father, write us a permission slip to set those things aside and hear what you have to say. God, do something in us in these moments that honors you and glorifies your son, Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 1, uh, this crazy thing happens. An angel comes and he visits Joseph and he says the, the most unlikely thing 
He, he talks about a Savior that is coming. Listen to the words in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, talking about Mary. The angel says she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Why Jesus? Why the name Jesus? Because, the text tells us, he will save his people from their sin. Jesus, it really harkens back to a time uh, in the Old Testament when you had Joshua. You see, Jesus uh, is, is really another form of that word, of that name, Joshua. And, and if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, there's this character, his name is Joshua. And do you know what he did? He was a conqueror. God had empowered him to lead people and lead them to conquer nations. God was going to establish a new kingdom through this guy named Joshua. It was amazing. And God did just that. Uh, he took the people of Israel and he gathered them together and one city after another God acted through his people and through his leader, Joshua, to bring them a kingdom on earth. And this great message about this guy, the son who was to be born, whose name is going to be Jesus, he's saying looks an awful lot like the Joshua that was in the Old Testament, except this one. This conqueror, this leader, is not going to establish a kingdom on earth. He's going to establish a kingdom that has no boundary. And the tyranny is not going to be other nations. It is going to be the tyranny of sin. This is Jesus. You are here tonight. You have gathered in, you have brought family, you have invited friends so that we have an opportunity to raise the name of Jesus and say he can save us from our sin. Now, as I was looking at this, something struck me. Something struck me, and, and here's what it is. If Jesus is our Savior, if he's the only one that can save us from sin, then he has the right to name what sin is. That Jesus has the right to name what it is that sin is. Here's what I'm getting at. You and I don't get to decide what sin is. Culture at large does not get to decide what sin is. Jesus gets to decide what sin is. And it says in this text that Jesus came to save us from our sin. Now, now what in the world is sin? Here, here's what sin is. It's an intentional effort. It's an intentional effort to do something we know to be wrong. Let me give you an example. I was about, <clears throat> I was about in third or fourth grade. We had just had a beautiful snow, much like the one outside. We had been dropped off by the bus, and uh, <clears throat> we were the last stop. So the bus kind of hung out there, and we did, we did this incredible thing. We, we began to take the snow and form it into balls, and, and there's this giant bus. And so we did what, what we should have done. We took the balls, and we just began to chuck them with all of our might at the, at the school bus, and one right after another. It was great. And then I got this crazy idea. 
You see, the bus driver was just sitting there kind of enjoying all of this, and she had the glass. There's a little glass there in the, in the bus. She can slide back. She had that open. I was standing from, from here to about to the sound booth, and I thought, I can do it. I can make this. And so I had formed a great snowball, and I thought, I can do it. And, and, and she had just said, right before I let it go, not another one. And I thought, no, it's too good. It's too good of an opportunity. And I thought about the consequences. And it was the best throw. I'm not a very good aim, but it was the best throw. And she just slowly closed that window, and it goes, bam! Rattle, rattle, rattle all over. And I thought, yeah! Maybe you'd have to be a third grade boy to understand how that felt. And then she slid that glass door open and she said, you will tell your parents exactly what's happened here today or you will not ride the bus. This is sin. I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong, and yet I intentionally did what I knew to be wrong. Jesus gets to name the sin. You see, I can justify any sin anywhere at any time for any reason, but I don't get to name the sin. That's Jesus' job. But Jesus also said, this angel I am coming to save my people from their sin. Now, what's Jesus going to do with this sin? What's Jesus going to do with all the snowballs that we have thrown in our lives, right? What's he going to do with all of this? You see, Jesus, being perfect, being the Son of God, has the right to judge us. He has the right to name sin and to judge us. So what is Jesus going to do? There's this famous verse. Many of us have seen it at football games, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die, would not perish, would not be destroyed, but have eternal life. But the verse really doesn't end there. In verse 17, this is what John says. He said, for God, it's this incredible statement of purpose. Why did Jesus come? He says in verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to do what? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And gang, what he's talking about when he talks about the world, he's talking about you and me. He's talking about the people in their lives who have thrown snowballs at the bus when they knew that it was wrong. The one person in all of eternity who has the right and the power to name sin and condemn it says, I have come not so that I will condemn you, but so that I can save you. That is good news. I have the honor and the privilege. I get to be a professor and I get to be a preacher. I love it. It's the best of both worlds. 
Uh, you probably know something about college students, and that's at this particular time of year, college students get real nervous real quick. Right, like, like all of the papers begin to become due and, and I get lots more visits in my office. Oh, Mr. Cahill, please. And, and here's the thing that, that I often realize about my students. Do you realize that students think that I'm after them? I mean, I think, honestly, that students have this idea in their mind that I have a giant red marker in my desk that I just can't wait to pull out and write all over their lives. And sometimes I think that we have that view of God, that we're the student and God is the professor, and somehow that he doesn't really love us, that somehow he really is waiting for us to make some kind of mistake so that the other foot can drop so he can take out his giant red marker and just write F over the top of our lives and we can dismiss God and move on. But something that I try and do over and over with my students is to say, hey gang, I am not here to try and find fault. You understand that when I'm looking at you, when I'm looking at all the work that you have turned in, I am looking for points. Gang, can I, can I just talk into your life for a moment? God is looking for points. He's not looking to, to mark your life up with a great big red pen. He is looking to add blessing upon blessing to your life. John says, hey, what am I going to do with this sin? I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. And we have an opportunity tonight, in a crazy strong way, to show God, to demonstrate to him the kind of lives that we want to live. The kind of lives that he's offering to us when he says, I didn't come uh, to condemn you, but to save you. Uh, here, here's the crazy thing. I, we talked about sin, right? You remember that part? Uh, we talked about sin, this intentional effort to, to, to do something wrong that I, I know is wrong, right? That I do it anyway. And that, that God, being the God and the character that he is, doesn't want to condemn us, but wants to bless us and in fact save us. And so the opposite of sin is the kingdom. Uh, throughout Scripture, we, we have this, this talk about the kingdom. L let me help you understand what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is where his rule exists. The kingdom of God is where his rule exists. It's what the world looks like when people act like God's in charge. That's what the kingdom of God is. When you and I act like God's in charge. Let me give you an example of that. Earlier this week, uh, my daughter and I got to sit down and have a great conversation. My daughter's nine. She's beautiful and wonderful. And she's incredibly embarrassed that I'm talking about her right now. <laughs> but we sat down and I said, I said, Lydia, do you love your brother? Yeah, dad, I love my brother. Uh, we were having one of those conversations uh, where, you know, uh, have you ever, moms and dads, do you ever have uh, uh, your children, do they ever fight with one another? Oh, I must be the only one. Okay. 
my kids tend to, once in a while, they tend to get at each other. Uh, even though there's a six and a half year difference, they tend to, to get on each other's nerves. Like, you know, uh, if Simon sees that big red button uh, of Lydia's, he just tends to just keep back, come back and push it over and over again. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And I just said, Lydia, you have an opportunity to live out the kind of grace that God gives you. I said, I know, I know that Simon is going to come in and you're going to say, but I had this first. And I'm going to say to you, Lydia, you have an incredible opportunity to extend the same grace to your brother that Jesus gave to you. And I am suggesting to you tonight that when God comes and he saves us from our sin, that we enter into the kingdom and grace lives through us in our relationships and with the people around us. We have an opportunity to live out God's reign and rule. We have an opportunity to live like God's in charge. Uh, husbands, you have this opportunity every time you come out into the kitchen and you have this moral dilemma. When you walk out into the kitchen and you notice there's a few dishes sitting right next to the dishwasher and you have this incredible decision that you can make in that moment. Do I put the dishes in the dishwasher or do I let them sit there so that my wife can get them? Allow the reign and rule of God to live through you and allow that grace to be evident in small and large things, even like putting the dishes in the dishwasher. Are you hearing me? In Matthew chapter 1, this angel came and said, his name is to be Jesus. His name is to be Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And I want you tonight, I want you to enter into kingdom kind of living. He didn't come to condemn you, gang. He came to save you. So for the next five weeks, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to church. For the next five weeks, and, and I'm even going to cut you a break. This counts as one, okay? For the next five weeks, allow the kingdom and his grace to live through you. Knowing that God sent a son, not to condemn the world, but to save it and to save you. You have an opportunity to live out the kingdom. And for the next five weeks, I'm going to see you, and we're going to walk that through together. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're good. I love you. I thank you so much for the message of your son, Jesus, that although we have sin, although I'm broken, you have brought a healer. You brought a healer to make us whole again. Thanks for dying. Thanks for coming. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.